Hi there, and welcome to the Rashcast with Jake and John. I'm Jake. And I'm John. So, uh, when last we talked to you, the Nationals were looking pretty good for a wild card spot. Uh, I think on Sunday, their magic number when we last talked was four. We said with the Brewers in hot pursuit just one game back, it would be very hard uh, for the Nationals to maintain their edge. Uh, and and instead, yeah. of, instead of limping to the playoffs as they had been, the Nats decided to win every single game they played this week. Yeah. They went 8-0, which is the tied for the third longest win streak in Nationals history. Pretty remarkable. It's pretty remarkable. The, blow, the bullpen didn't blow up on uh, Sunday. Very easily could have been 11-0. Uh, yeah. That's true. That would be the longest win streak in Nationals history. Instead, it's third longest, tied with uh, June of 2011, obviously behind huh. June of 2005. So that, does that mean uh, Davey's going to step down after the game today? It does mean that Davey's going to step down. It doesn't mean that Davey is going to do a Babe Ruth impression. Because uh. the it's behind the two 10-game win streaks, one in June of 2000, or 2005 and the other in August of 2014, Uh so they won eight straight. They swept the Phillies in a five-game series. It was the first five-game series they'd ever played. On the way to doing that, they eliminated the Phillies and then clinched their own uh, playoff appearance. Yep. Uh, then this weekend, they eliminated the Cleveland Indians from playoff contention and then clinched home field advantage. And so, long story short, the Nationals... Finished the season at 93 wins and 69 losses. Wow. Uh, and they will have a home playoff game on Tuesday at yeah. 8 o'clock p.m. against the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, if I had told you at the beginning of the season the Nationals would finish with 93 wins, what would you have thought? Well, I predicted that they would win 91 games. Yeah. So I would yeah, I'd be happy with how the season turned out. Yeah, I mean, this season is truly remarkable. It's been one of the, you know, the Nats have had some great seasons in recent years, but this season just has been great for multiple reasons. It's been great because of how they started and the turnaround and how nobody expected it to happen. Um, it was great because of, you know, how the team chemistry that they had and how much fun they seemed to have playing baseball. It was just a really unique season from all the other great seasons. The other seasons, there seemed to be, you know, this is the first season where they really had September to play for, which, right. you know, especially in this last week, I mean, that was incredible what they did this last week. Um, this is the first season where, you know, they're going to, and this is the first season we're going to play a wild card game, so that's a little different. Um, right. And this is the first season where we didn't, you know, dominate pretty much from day one that we made the playoffs. Um, so it's a very different feeling going into the playoffs this year than in years past. And I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I can't really see it how it's a, more of a bad thing than anything else that we've done in the past. Um, so it's, it's very, it's a very different vibe going into the playoffs, especially because of this one game playoff. The nationals were 19 and 31 after 50 games. There were calls for, Davey Martinez's resignation. There were calls for, even worse, for them to trade Max Scherzer. Uh, I know that 
the New York Daily News ran several pieces saying that they should trade Scherzer to the Yankees. Well, yeah, it's uh, the Daily News, of course. Right, they always do things like that. But regardless, the Nats looked for all the world like a rotting carcass that the buzzard needed to come off and pick off the flesh of. Uh, and instead, over the next 112 games, they won 74. That's a 660 win percentage or a 107 win pace over those 112 games. Uh, everything seemed to come together. Uh, I mean, it, we've been over sort of what happened that led them to that 1931 yeah. start. Uh, Soto got hurt. Rendon got hurt. Soto was ineffective to start. Uh, I mean, the, the biggest injury was, really was Trey Turner's injury. You know, yeah. Mostly because of the drop-off in production from Turner to Defoe. But also, right. Turner really makes his offense go. Uh, you know, with his speed. And Turner has been incredibly hot yeah, in September. Been, yeah, in September, since September 6th, uh, Trey Turner is hitting almost around 300 um, with over a 600 slugging percentage. He's been red hot in the month of September. He f- finishes with a career high tying 19 home runs. Uh-huh. Obviously, juice ball, everyone's tying or, or beating their career high. But, but Turner did it in just 112 games. Yeah. Uh, he finishes the year on a 12-game hitting streak. Uh, he ends up, depending on whose defensive metrics you trust, baseball reference and fan graphs, who were both up on his defense last year, are down on it this year. Uh, but uh, fielding runs above average, which is baseball prospectuses, uh Defensive statistics like his defense still anywhere from a three to a five win player in just 112 games, which is remarkable. Uh, but more than that, if you read, there was a, a piece by Brittany Giroli of The Athletic that came out, I believe, sometime this week, which said that not only has Turner been playing with the nine fingers that we thought once he broke his finger in April, apparently he broke the middle finger as well on his hand, and he's been playing with eight fingers, and they haven't healed. They haven't healed correctly at all, and he still plays through constant pain. And the fact that he's been able to produce as he has, and the fact that he's been able to make mechanical adjustments in season to account for that injury, the fact that he's been able to even throw, it's it's all just been remarkable. Yeah. Uh, So Turner deserves a lot of credit. Steven Strasburg deserves a ton of credit. Mm-hmm. Strasburg, for the first time in five years, avoided the disabled list completely. Uh, 209 innings, which leads the, well, not the major leagues, but it leads the National League. Mm-hmm. Uh, 18 wins, which leads the National League. Uh, 251 strikeouts, which is second in the National League. If you take out his two starts against the Diamondbacks, uh, he would probably be the front runner yeah. for the National League Cy Young. Yeah, I mean another uh, thing about more than that. One quick thing that I read this week is that uh, Degrom has made uh, I forget what the exact percentage of his starts against the Marlins, but it was I think it was about a quarter of his starts this year against the Marlins. So just throwing that out there. I don't. I don't think that you can. I mean, no, you can't. Steven Strasburg has made five starts against the Marlins this this year. Yeah, uh, and he's allowed four runs. 
total in those five starts. Yeah. So I, I don't think that you can. No, especially if when you're going to penalize Jacob Degrom for that, you can't really give. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. Uh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But I mean, Patrick Corbin came to the Nats, and he was everything the Nats could have possibly hoped for and more. He was durable. He took the ball every fifth day. He and Strasburg both made 33 starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max Scherzer was great until he hit the disabled list or the injured list. Uh, and then when Scherzer got hurt, yeah. uh, the Nats had Eric Fetty and Joe Ross. Yeah, I was going to give them Oaks a big shout-out. I mean, they really – it's not just this. This team is different than other teams that the Nats have had because those other teams were really stars and scrubs. Um, you know, from Bryce Harper, you know, they had the top star talent. And then when you look down 25, 25th man on the roster, it kind of thins out. But this team really, but outside the bullpen, that's a whole different story. Um, but talking about the rotation and the offense, there really isn't a hole anywhere. Um, now that Jan Gomes has started to come through and hit in September, um, there is nobody on this team that I really wouldn't trust in one at bat. Um, it's it's really remarkable. It shows to how well I mean, just giving Rizzo credit. I know Rizzo had some, you know, Rizzo messed up in the fact that he trusted Bearclaw and Rosenthal to be those guys when seven and eighth inning guys, the yeah. seventh and eighth inning guys. When all we had seen of Rosenthal is a showcase, and Bearclaw was getting sold off for just a million dollars. And so those are signs that maybe these guys a million dollars, by the way, in monopoly. In monopoly money, all the Nats had a million dollars in international slot bonus money that they weren't allowed to spend because of a big signing period the year before. So essentially, the Nats got Bearclaw for free, and then said, "Well, if a team is giving him to us for free, I'm sure he's good enough to be our seventh inning guy." Yeah. Uh, So it's hard to say exactly how much to blame the Nats. Or, or Rizzo exactly for the bullpen. Uh, I mean, at some point you gotta point the finger right back to the guys and just say, "Wow, they really did not perform in any well, way, that, shape, or form close that, to what we expected them to." That and you know the Nats had a a payroll that was near but not over the luxury tax. They sort of, you know, they they didn't spend. I want to say that they didn't spend on the bullpen, but that's not true. I mean, the truth is that for the money that the Nats gave Trevor Rosenthal, they could have had Adam Adovino just as easily. And yeah. Adovino's been great, fantastic. Yeah. They could have had him. They could have had Andrew, Andrew Miller. They could have had Zach Britton I mean, I think, I think Rosenthal was an error on Derek Lilliquist's part. You know, Rizzo probably asked Lilliquist who he thought, if he thought Rosenthal was good to go, I'm sure Lilliquist had a lot to say because Lilliquist was an old pitching coach in St. Louis. That really gave Rizzo the, the confidence to sign him. So I really blame Lilliquist. Well, I'm going to say that, that if you're listening to a guy and trusting the, the word of a guy who you're willing to fire a month into the season, maybe you probably shouldn't have trusted that yeah. guy in the first place. Yeah. Well, anyway. But, I, that, yeah, going, regardless, you're right. You're right that you know Rizzo's gotten a lot of grief yeah. for – the bullpen, but he. But, but the one thing I was gonna say is how he's been able to adjust throughout the season, and how he wasn't afraid right. to add guys, you know, older guys, veteran guys that a lot of teams are not signing. Guys like Fernando Rodney, who's been 
you know, for the most part, a, a win. He's been a win for this team. Um, I'd say more often than not, he comes in and does well. Uh, gets you a little nervous. It's the Fernando Rodney experience, but you know, he comes out like yesterday when he walked two guys and then got out of it immediately. Um, right. He got guys like you know Gerardo Parra, which we've talked about a bunch. How he's kind of been the catalyst for this team. Although I also am going to give a lot right. of credit to Anibal Sanchez because there's a story that the Nat season really turned around because after that Mets series when they got swept, they there was a pool party at Anibal Sanchez's house, and that changed the season. It was the pool party at Sanchez's house. Um, I, I mean, it's not just that. It's also the fact that, that Sanchez came back around that time. Mm-hmm. You know, from a... from I mean, we talk about Rizzo's small-ticket moves to improve the team midseason. Uh, you know, Para, uh, obviously, is Drupal Cabrera. Oh, yeah, Cabrera. Who pretty who... clearly start... The, the wild card game. Yes. Uh, and deservedly so. Yes. Uh, the guy's on a 180 RBI pace is in that. Uh, but you also got to give him credit for how well the starting rotation came together. Yeah. Uh, Sanchez, after coming back from a hip injury that he sustained on the first game of the season, uh, he was terrific. Yep. 385 ERA, 119 ERA+. Plus. Uh, made 30 starts. Corbin, like we said, you know, the, the Nats invested a whole bunch of money into Patrick Corbin, and he rewarded them with a six-win season, which, I mean, pretty much beyond what the Nats could have reasonably expected. Yeah. He retained almost everything uh, of his gains that he made last year. Uh, but... The Nets, they have this front four starting rotation in Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, and Sanchez that, that matches up with anyone. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's and arguably the best front four in baseball. I mean, and, and they're all veterans. They're all big money guys. Obviously, Sanchez considerably smaller than the first three, but still, you I mean, know, he's a free agent making $8.5 million a year. I mean, you even look at, like, the Astros' front four. You know, it's not all that much better than the Nats. You know, Verlander and Cole are 1-2 Cy Young, and then Granke would be a top consideration if he had played a full season in either league. But then you have, you know, the Nats, who have three arguably top five Cy Young guys. In their top rotation. five or six. Top yeah. five or six. And then Sanchez is better than, like, Wade Miley, but that's, you know... Whatever. Um, so, you know, this rotation is, you know, probably the, you know, it's them or the Dodgers for the best in the NL. It's them, the Dodgers, the Astros for best in baseball. Um, and then the lineup is also between them and the Dodgers for the best in the NL, I think. You know, Braves up there too. And then between them, Astros and Yankees, maybe Twins. I mean, MLB.com did a, uh, did a ranking of the best lineups, and they put us fifth behind um, the Astros, Yankees, Twins, Dodgers, us, which I think is about fair. But, I mean, these are the best teams in baseball, and we're up there. I think that's just top five in baseball right there. So, you know, between the rotation and the lineup, you have to feel pretty good about this team. 
And then yep. you look at the other I mean, third of this team and you go, uh... It's an 105-win <laughs> team with a 40-win bullpen. Yeah. Uh, and the good thing about the playoffs is with a adept manager, uh, you can avoid the bullpen mm-hmm. if you want to. If you're willing to tax your starters a little bit more than they you know, normally be taxed. That means... I mean, if the Nats want to make a deep playoff run, they are going to have to use the starting pitchers to make a decent number of relief appearances. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about basically every elimination game or or every game that could change the course of the season or the a series. Uh, you're going to need to see a reliever in, or a starter in there pitching in relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, they They don't have... The Nats have an eighth and a ninth inning guy who are acceptable. Yeah. They're not locked down. Hudson has been very good for the Nats, but he's still, he's not a strikeout pitcher. Uh, With the Nats, he has only struck out uh, 8.3 per nine, which is not great for a back-end reliever in this era. And then they've got uh, Doolittle, who has looked... Somewhat better, at least recently. He looked very good uh, on Thursday, uh, less so on Saturday. Yeah. But the point is, you've got two options that that wouldn't make you cringe to see them in a big spot in a playoff game. But beyond that, I mean, there's no seventh inning guy. Yeah. If there's a seventh inning that needs to be pitched, it's got to be pitched by one of the big four starting pitchers. In an elimination game. In an elimination game, or in a lot of other situations, I mean, I we're talking about if it's NLDS game one, and it's a one-run game in the seventh inning, and your your starter, I'd go Hudson for two. Strasburg at this point, what? I'd go Hudson for two. You would go Hudson. I mean, maybe Hudson possible. for one and a third, or two and a third, and then Doolittle for one and a third. You can find maybe you can find two innings out of three, uh, three innings out of two guys. Perhaps I'm not. I'm not risking. I know your strategy. We've talked about this. I don't know. I think we've talked about this on air, but your strategy of using whoever's throw day it is or bullpen day in the bullpen, and I'm not crazy about that I, strategy because I think it just diminishes them for their next start. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, the thing is, uh, the thing is about these guys, all all the Nats rotation. I mean, Scherzer. I'd say now too, is that they're not Madison Bumgarner. They don't have the durability of Madison Bumgarner. They're not workhorses as much as Bumgarner was in the 2014 playoffs. It's not the same kind of guy. Strasburg, who has been great this year, has been healthy, has had health injuries in the past. Same with Corbin. Who's both, they're both Tommy John guys. Scherzer has had the, the injuries this year, which would make him a little bit more vulnerable to be that kind of workhorse. So you can't give – I wouldn't feel comfortable with giving these guys – I would feel comfortable with giving these guys a heavy workload as a starter. I wouldn't feel it as starters and as relievers. I mean – Because you also have and, to look – here's, you know, here's sort of a segue. Here's sort of – I mean it, it's a question of – are you making this decision based on you don't think they'll be effective yes. or risk of injury later on? Both. Because I think they can be plenty effective. And as far as risk of injury later on, here's what I'll say. The Nats, 
are in an uncomfortable position in the future. This season has been incredibly fun. Yes. On May 24th, if you had told me that they would win 93 games and make the playoffs at all, I would have been shocked. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was one of the people. I didn't want them to trade Scherzer. I can't remember if, what I said about them trading Rendon. No, I think we, we were st- shelling for a soft sell. We were saying trade Kendrick, trade Adams, you know. Yeah. Kind of so I, I think get, we, trade were, we were getting ready to do a, a soft, uh, soft sell. Yeah. But the point is, the Nats are still in an uncomfortable position for 2020 and beyond. I imagine that Strasburg is going to come back. Yes, I agree. I'm not sure about Rendon. I really don't know. I'd say we're the, uh, I, mean, that, I think we're the favorite for Rendon, but I think the field is a lot heavier of the favorite. Of teams, we're the favorite. We're the, yeah. But I think the field is the heavy favorite. I think it's like 35% chance us, field 65%. It's just, I mean, there's no reason the Nats shouldn't sign him. No. Uh, but I thought they would give him an extension and get a deal done in March, they really played themselves because Rendon wanted to be paid like Jose Altuve coming into the offseason. Uh, the Nats wouldn't meet that. And then Nolan Arenado got his huge extension, uh, which reset the market. And now the Nats would love to be able to sign Rendon to an Altuve-sized extension. I, I don't think uh, it was the Nats' frugalness as much as Boris wanting to test the market. I think it's a combination of both. I think Boris wanted I think in order to a market. Boris wanted a market-setting deal. Yes, but the Nats weren't smart enough to jump when a market-setting deal would have been seven and one seventy-five, as opposed to now nine and two fifty. Uh, I think that was the problem. They they got played by the Arenado extension. Yeah, uh, and they also got played by the fact that they thought that Rendon would be the second best third baseman on the market. Coming into 2020, uh, and that that would give them a little more, or give him a little less power in the market. Uh, but then, Arenado signs this big extension, and the Nats are pushed into a corner. Uh, anyway, so we don't know that Rendon is coming back. But more than that, the Braves don't look like they're going to get worse anytime soon. Uh, I mean, obviously, they're owned by a major corporation. Uh, that is, from what I've heard, looking to possibly sell the team. Uh, I think that was said publicly. I can't remember. Uh, so we don't know that they're going to add payroll, we, which is a big sort of question mark on whether or not they'll re-sign Donaldson. But uh, the point is, even if they don't add payroll, they've got an incredibly talented uh, and improving core. Uh the Mets will probably continue to compete. The Phillies will not implode as they did this year, more than likely. Probably the not. The Nats are going to be going into a, a very competitive National League East. Yeah. Everyone's going to be a year older. Scherz is going to be 35. Strasburg is going to be 31. Uh, he was healthy this year. You wouldn't bet on Strasburg to be healthy two consecutive years. Uh, the point is they're just going to keep getting older. Uh, and they're still going to compete, but this is a good chance. Yes. The Nats have a good team right now. They should, should, win this wild card game. I don't want to say that they will. We'll talk about because, we'll talk about that the wild card game yes. in a few minutes. But that that's that's a different conversation. But the point is that they've got this good shot here. 
Obviously, they're not favored to win the National League Division Series if they're playing the Dodgers. No. Uh, but they could. They could. This and, is a... and frankly, this is a team that's talented enough. They're, they're not the 2017 Twins here. No. This is a team that has punched their ticket to the playoffs and is talented enough to, to beat the behemoths and win the World Series if things break right. They're not favored. But they're, they're talented enough to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what I would say is do whatever you have to do to make that happen uh, and worry about the long-term consequences of that later. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, if you think that, that ineffectiveness is going to be the bigger issue, that's a different conversation. But I'll say this. Do you really think that they're going to be more ineffective in relief than Fernando Rodney or Wander Suero in the seventh inning if you ask them to go one inning? I don't know. I think it's hard to say. I mean, it's not about that. It's not about their effectiveness in those one innings. It's about their effectiveness in their next time out there. And that's Maybe. the problem is, is you're picking from a weakness to make a strength worse. Um, now, if I if my my galaxy brand idea that was your galaxy brand idea, my galaxy brand idea is move Corbin to the bullpen, and you go with a three man rotation. That's an even worse idea. That's going to have much worse of a cumulative effect. Unless you're willing to throw Corbin, you know, but I mean, I'm on not... back-to-back days, then I mean, if you're willing to throw Corbin even on on back-to-back days, maybe. But if you're not, then it, you know, it diminishes your rotation, and it makes it so that you know, if you're supposed to have your rotation go, you know, you would expect. That if you're having them all on short rest, that they would be pitching uh, fewer innings. Uh, and if they're all going on short rest and they're all pitching fewer innings, Corbin can't cover for all of them. Yeah, I know. I don't. So I'm not. I was. Expecting- I was saying this a few weeks ago. I don't. This is just a galaxy brand idea. I don't want them to do it. You know, you go with your strength. You go with. Hopefully, your guys can go six, seven innings or starters, and then diminish the role of the bullpen. That's what you hope for the NLDS. But now let's go to the wild card game a little bit because that's a whole different beast. Um, right. Now going forward to that, you know, it's incredibly different because you just need to win one game. And it's incredibly different because you have a day off beforehand. And also you can worry you, – We the Nats were able to line it up so that, you know, Strasburg's available out of the bullpen. Corbin's going to be available out of the bullpen. Uh, I mean, even if you want – to use Sanchez out of the bullpen, although I don't think he'd be effective in the bullpen as the other two guys would be. Um, so, you know, looking at the uh, potential roster for the Nationals, uh, I put this together yesterday um, for who I think could make it. And you have, you know, your standards. You have Scherzer's going to start. I put Strasburg, Corbin from the bullpen, um, in the bullpen. And then you got Doolittle, Hudson. Uh, Suero, both uh, I changed. I had Rainey originally, changing it to Strickland and Rodney. Now with that bullpen, you're looking to use only four of those guys: uh, Strasburg, Corbin, Doolittle, and Hudson. Right? Right. Yeah. So those are the four guys you're hoping that you can use. Then you also have both if you need innings late, and he's like your emergency guy if you need someone to go deep. And then you have Suero, uh, Strickland, and, and 
Rodney in case things go on their head a little bit and you're playing a dinger ball game. Do you, what do you think? I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I think the Nats should probably, if I mean, we're counting the starters, I think they should carry all four of their starters. You think all four? Uh, all four of their So would starters. you put both in that rotation on the bullpen too? Or just Sanchez? I would say you carry all four of your I, – I don't know that you need – I mean, it, I don't anticipate the game going 25 minutes. No. Uh, I think the Nats can get by with, I mean – I mean, this right here an is eight, – An eight-man bullpen consisting of three starters and five relievers. Yeah, that's what I have, but I have Voth instead of Sanchez. I think Voth is more effective in the bullpen than Sanchez would be. I don't Just, have any reason to believe that. And Sanchez has been... I mean, Voth has been good in a very I like short Voth, amount of I like time. Voth, Sanchez, I like Voth's fastball in the bullpen. It kind of blows past Voth, people. in order to be effective, he needs to execute. Uh, Sanchez, too. Yeah. Uh, but Sanchez is a 35-year-old veteran, and Voth is a 25-year-old novice who hasn't... He's, he's a rookie. He hasn't pitched out of the bullpen ever. Uh... I would say that I would trust, if, if we're talking about them in the same role, if we're talking about them both as sort of emergency 15th inning break glass in case of, you know, the 15th mm-hmm. uh, type guys, I would trust Sanchez over both. Okay. So I would say... Semantics, though. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah, neither of them are likely to pitch. No. But Scherzer, Strasburg, uh, Corbin, Sanchez... And then Doolittle, Hudson, Rodney, uh, Swero, I think. Not Strickland? That's only a seven-man Swero bullpen. over Strickland. I think Swero... That's only a seven-man bullpen, then. I, okay, and then Strickland. Yeah. Sure. And then that gives you uh, that gives you room for a uh, an eight-man bench, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, with an eight-man bench, you can carry everyone you want. Yeah. Uh, so I'm thinking for that, I got Suzuki... I'm assuming so. I am starting Gomes in this game. I think if Scherzer wants Suzuki to start, Suzuki should start. Yeah. I think, but if your major concern is throwing out base runners, the the nice thing or holding base runners or keeping the running game in check, the nice thing about Scherzer is that Scherzer is such a strikeout pitcher that base runners advancing doesn't matter nearly as much. Okay. You said that, you say that, but, you know, obviously it could matter a great deal. Uh, you know, one stolen base in the exact wrong spot could screw yeah, you. exactly, especially in but, a game like this. It could be a game of inches. But Suzuki can still, Suzuki still gives you an edge offensively. Yes. Uh, even if, if Gomes has closed that edge a little bit. Uh, and... Scherzer seems to be more comfortable pitching to Suzuki, and I think that's the tiebreaker. That is true. Uh, but my argument is, who would I rather have off the bench in a big spot? And it's Suzuki. That's fair. I think, you know, Gomes is a guy who gives you good defense, and I think that's valuable in a game like this, especially from the behind the plate, where a stolen is a game of inches and a stolen base uh, can be huge. I think that's a big upgrade for Gomes. And then for Suzuki, 
I think, you know, seventh inning, you need a guy to give you that big hit. You know, you, I'm assuming you're going to have Kendrick in the lineup, and I'm assuming you're going to have Cabrera in the lineup. You know, the first two guys I'm going to from this bench, depending if it's a lefty, are Suzuki and Zimmerman. Uh so I I would love to have that bat off the bench in Kurt Suzuki. I think he I mean he's come up with big hits in the past and the post and not the postseason, but this season for us. Well, the question is, would you rather have the one high leverage at bat or three or four or five uh, at bats through the rest of the game? I think I'd rather put Suzuki in one high leverage at bat. It's fair. It's a fair point. I mean, I, I'm not convinced, and I think it, the tiebreaker comes down to who Scherzer wants. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if Scherzer, Scherzer wants Suzuki, you're going to put Suzuki in there. But I would put exactly. I would put Gomes. I also have this strange gut feeling that Gomes is going to hit a two-run homer in the fifth inning or something like that. That is very optimistic. I, I, just, like I just feel it. I don't know. I have this gut feeling about it that Gomes is going to hit a two-run homer in the fifth inning. Okay. So that's my uh, uh, my weird prediction. I can um, see it happening. But, yeah, so but, I, I mean that... What are you saying? I was going to say that I think if you can hold eight men on your bench, yeah. then I think you've got space for... Let's see. Uh, would you have space for a third catcher as yes. well as I have, both Stevenson and Taylor? So I'll give you my bench. I got Suzuki. I got Rowdy Reed. I got Zimmerman, Adams, Dozier, Para, Taylor, and Stevenson. So that's eight. Okay. That's an eight-man bench, and I think I got everyone. I don't think I missed anyone. So no, there's no one else that I you mean, would rather have on that team. Taylor that's, has been hitting I'm, in the past week. That's been nice, and so has Stevenson. It doesn't matter. But they're Taylor not. They're not, not here. They're not here. Yeah. Hit. Yeah. Taylor is not going to hit unless we're talking about that fifteenth inning. Exactly. Um, Taylor and Stevenson are both there as pinch runners. Uh-huh. Taylor probably first. Mm-hmm. Now here's another question: uh, Is who would yeah. you want catching late innings? Because what you may come down to is, let's say, you know, you have a running a scoring position in the sixth inning or fifth inning, and Kurt Suzuki's on base. Let's say you start with Kurt Suzuki. You can use a pinch runner and then put Gomes catching in the late innings, who's better defensively. Because right. neither there's not there's a very small chance that both those guys catch all nine innings. Whoever right. starts. And it's a, the question is whether. Or not, Scherzer feels more comfortable with Suzuki or Gomes, and he says Suzuki. Then you'd rather have Suzuki catching in the earlier innings and then Gomes in the later innings. Exactly. So there's a lot going uh, into it. Yeah, that's that's one of the big benefits of carrying an eight-man bench, a third catcher, and two uh, pinch runners. The idea there is that there's absolutely no bar to pinch running for your catcher, even in like the fifth inning. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so we, and this lineup carries two pinch runners, basically, in Taylor and Stevenson, who will definitely get some playing time. I put Taylor in there first and then Stevenson second, because Taylor's got a little more speed than Stevenson. Um, right. But they're both fast. I mean, Taylor stole two bases today. Um, so, and hopefully his base running, is, his instincts are better than they've been in the past. Right. Yeah. I mean, it. that's... That's what I would do. Yeah. I think that an eight-man bench, I mean, obviously it's gigantic, but it carries every single person that you would – there's no one else on the Nats that I would want carried. No. I mean, the, the big questions are Taylor and Stevenson. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was a time 
not talking about a wild card game, but talking about a uh, an NLDS game uh, when people might have preferred Stevenson or Taylor over Para. Yeah, not after but this I week. I think Para. <laughs> Yeah, Para had 11 RBIs in this three-game series against the Indians. I think he pretty much solidified his spot yeah. on the rosters. So. Yes, he did. Yeah, um, uh, and people had a lot of fun with it. There were a lot of baby sharks going There around. was a lot of baby sharks. I mean, you had F.P. Santangelo say you got to give him the starting lineup. Don't don't yeah, say that for that. That's insane. Yeah. You know, who do you bet? Uh, uh, but I, the, the other I had, I had are, a friend text me the same thing, by the way. Who did? Uh, I had a friend text me the exact same thing. Yeah, he said, no. You got you to gotta find a way to get par on the starting lineup. And I'm like, A, for who? And B, no. the guy has had one good series <laughs> in two months. To, I mean, like... Short-term memory is a great thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, I mean, obviously not. Yeah. But... That being said, the Nats should, and I think we're both in agreement on this, start Kendrick over Zimmerman yeah. and Cabrera over Dozier or whomever else. I agree with that. Uh, I, I mean, the other the, option the way would be Kendrick. Been, it's, the way they both have played this option. month is, you know, it's obvious that, I mean, Kendrick's hitting almost 450 this month. Uh, yep. Estrubo Cabrera has more RBIs and games played for the Nats. I mean, they're both just big bats. So, I mean, my, my prediction for the lineup is pretty standard. Turner, Eaton, Rendon, Soto, Kendrick, Cabrera, Robles, Gomes, Scherzer. I mean, that's that's the way I go with the lineup. And I know you substituted Suzuki, which means you'd probably move Suzuki yep. up to the 7th spot and Robles to the 8th spot. That's exactly what I would do. Yeah. Yep. I'd have uh, Kendrick at 5. I'd have Cabrera hitting 6. Yeah. And, yeah. But what's, I mean, nice, what's nice about this lineup is it's pretty balanced. I mean... You got right, left, right, yep. left, right, switch, right, right. You know, no matter which way you put it. So it's pretty yep. balanced I mean, when you have a Brewers team that has, you know, two good lefties, and we'll get into this in a minute. Uh, they have two really good lefties in their bullpen. Uh, their right hand, and so it's going to be hard to match them up against, you know, so many. You know, when you counteract with left, right, left, right. Um, and and that's one of the nice things about the Nats bench right now. Uh, you know, the, the Brewers' two biggest relief pitching weapons are both left-handed, and the Nats bench is pretty right-hand heavy. It's got it's stocked with right-handed power. Yeah, and that's another got, thing about pitching, keeping Suzuki on the bench, is that you get that big bat off the bench in Suzuki when it comes down to Pomeranz or a hater. But you've already got Zimmerman, and you've you already got, got those. Yeah, so... Well, that's it's going to be interesting to see what what Davey decides to do. I don't think there's really a wrong answer between any of them, between Suzuki or Gomes. Um, they both have pros and cons of each, and I think right. um, you know it's going to be come down to really what uh, Scherzer feels comfortable with going forward. Um, and so, moving on from that, oh, the Rockies just beat the Brewers, which means the Brewers end the season on a sweep, uh, getting swept. Um, so yeah. speaking of the Brewers, uh, they're who we're fa- we found out today that they're going to be our matchup for the wild card game, uh, and you know you have you know looking at the Brewers as a team, you have to feel kind of good about it. I mean, you can never feel good about going into a postseason series, but well, the Brewers good come. It's not just a postseason series; it's one a one game, game series. Yeah, 
And good means feeling like you have a 60% chance of winning, which means you have a 40% chance of losing. Yes. But it means there is a 40% chance that Tuesday night the season will be over and there will be no more baseball until March 26th. Yeah. Let's not. Let's, yeah. let's be. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to think about that right now. Um, yeah. But, I don't. I mean, I don't want. I don't want to be too pessimistic or, I mean, like, there's no reason. This team has not given me any reason to be pessimistic. No, especially this way that uh, the week has gone, where there's kind of scuffling going into it. But I think that's a lot of playing 15 of 18 games on the road against all playoff teams. It's just a rough gauntlet you're going through and and, and the Mets. Um, It's just a really rough stretch the Nats had to play through. And they didn't play terribly. They didn't play well. They played, you know, below average. But, you know, they came back home and they just dominated. Um, but now, Not only did they dominate, they played very smart baseball. Yeah. They stopped making the errors. They, I mean, they've the team has, again, given me no reason to be pessimistic. Except the franchise has. A little different. Yeah. Right. But looking at the Brewers now, um, you know, you have a team that's missing Yelich. In their lineup, <laughs> they're missing uh, potentially Lorenzo Cain, who has an ankle injury, and they're missing potentially Ryan Braun. And there's a calf injury. There's a calf injury, uh, and even if they do all three do and all not Yelich, but even if Yel, uh, Braun and Cain play, they're not going to play at 100. percent And Cain has been a shell of himself offensively this year. He finished with an OPS below 700. Uh, but in this environment, in this run environment, yeah. But uh, Braun had a great year. Um, you know, he's continued to do what he's done well for his whole career. Um, but without those two guys in that lineup, and without Gelich too, it's a very, very pedestrian lineup. I mean, they have Keston Hira, who's probably their best hitter. He's their best hitter in terms of OPS this year, finishing over 900. Their sole hitter to finish over 900. You know, in who's still around. Um, with an over 900 OPS. Um, and then you got Yasmani Grandal, their switch hitting catcher, who's been good, very good for them, one of the best offensive catchers. And then you got um, Mike Moustakis, who has had another very good season for them. But outside of those three, I mean, Trent Grisham has been decent for them since, you know, pretty much playing full time. He'll be their leadoff guy. Um, it, it's just really not. That great of a lineup. Um, And then you also turn to the rotation and look who's going to start that game. And there really isn't anybody who stands out to you as the guy who you want to start a game for you. You know, their best starter, Brandon Woodruff, is coming off a major injury. He hasn't really been stretched out to a full extent. He hasn't pitched in over a week. So you don't know if he's even good to go. I mean, he's probably good for two innings, which might be all you need. Um, But, you know, that's not... You know, this is a team that last year was built off the success of their bullpen too, and their bullpen's fallen much down back to earth. Uh, so there really isn't anything that this team is you know great at. No, especially without Christian Yelich. Yeah, but the the reason that they've been so successful in September, September this year and September last year, uh, is that. They have made full use of the expanded rosters, yes. which has allowed them to really shorten their starting pitchers' uh, workloads and devote a lot more of the game 
to their bullpen. And their bullpen has, up until September, not been so great. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's been really phenomenal this month, and it's been really aided by reinforcements. Jay Jackson has been very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew Pomeranz has been incredible. Uh, Josh Hader has struck out the world, but he's also given up a lot of homers. Yeah, Brent Suter has uh, also been very good for them, 18 innings, one run. Um, right, Brent Suter. Uh, I mean, Suter, I don't know how much of a weapon Suter is going to be against the Nats, again, who are right-handed heavy and whose lefties in Eaton and Soto can hit left-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Suter is the kind of guy who can get Juan Soto out, probably, uh, considering that Suter is a, a fastball at 85 uh junk baller type of guy and Soto seems to struggle with those guys yeah. a little bit uh, but I mean, the, the advantage that the Brewers have here is that a wild card game with the rosters that it allows you to use where you don't need to carry starting pitchers uh, unless you're the Nats and you plan on using those starters in the bullpen uh, is that they can carry a whole bunch of relievers uh, and make a bullpen game out of it. Mm. I mean, you have to also uh, remember another reason why the Brewers are so successful in September this year is because of the easiness of their schedule. I mean, they really took right. advantage of, you know, teams really not trying. I mean, they beat up... But they, they took full advantage of it. Yeah, but you have to remember yeah. as well as when the Nationals played the, their, you know, it's September and uh, it's different than when it's, you know, August or even July when you play an easy schedule because in September teams are just putting out minor leaguers to play instead of major leaguers. And it's a very different type of game when you're playing bad teams. And it's going to be interesting to see how that changes next year. Yeah. I I read something interesting, which said that uh, Doug Melvin was one of the big proponents behind the 28 man roster, uh, September roster change. Mm-hmm. Doug Melvin, of course, the GM of the Brewers, and Craig Council apparently came to him and said, "What the hell are you doing, man? Yeah. This is how we win." Yeah, uh, but I mean, he said that this year uh, in September, kind of facetiously. But the point is, yeah, September next year is going to be very different. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, in September they took they played the Astros. They went one on one against them. They took three or four against the Cubs. Um, that was before the Cubs fell apart, and they took two or three against the Cardinals, all of which are good teams. So I mean, the Cubs, you know, whatever. But you know, they they did play good, some good teams, and they played well against them. Um, but the, the Cubs series was before they lost Yelich, so it's different. And the Cardinals series, they had a miraculous game to win on that Sunday, uh, but still a win. And then they beat up on the Pirates, they beat up on the Padres, they beat up on the Reds, they beat up on the Marlins. And they got swept by the Rockies. Uh, that's a whole, especially in games that really, really mattered for them, in games where they could win the division. Yeah, they lost more games, or the exact same number of games against the Rockies as they did to everyone else in September. Yeah. So you know, it's it's going to be interesting for them going in against playing a super soft schedule for the last two weeks, going into playing a very good team and. A, completely different environment and this is also a team that struggled mightily uh on the road uh this year uh 
which is you know a big reason why the Nationals had a much better chance winning home field advantage. On the at home this year, they are you know they were six oh five winning percentage, forty nine thirty two at home, and on the road this year they were forty and forty one. So an under five hundred team on the road. Uh, That's not. That is not. Like. No, it's immensely struggling. It's not immensely struggling, but it's still, you know, under five hundred team on the road, and they. Yeah. It's it's a little you know, a little different. So it is, uh, and and the nice thing is that the Nats will avoid playing in a dome stadium like Miller Park, that in a one game series can get very very loud. Yeah. Uh, and, and I fully expect the Nats. Uh, you know, they drew well the last two games. Yeah. Uh, you know, and one of the big reasons that they drew well is that uh, the Nats decided to make season, their tickets affordable in these last two games yeah. with half off. It was a buy one, get one deal. It was a great strategy. Uh, it worked. Yeah. And you would think that that would be a message. Yeah. If you want to sell out premium games instead of making them super expensive and pricing people out of them, you know, maybe make it so that people can afford to attend them. Yeah. But but that's so yeah, yeah. that's not look anyway. Looking at who the Brewers uh, might start, you know, they have Brennan Woodruff, who again is still coming back from injury and could probably only go two innings. And then they have Jordan Lyles. And Jordan Lyles started the game against us in that fifteen to fourteen game. Didn't do that well. And a fun fact about Jordan Lyles, he also started in twenty twelve the Roger Bernardina game. Uh which he pitched well against us, but that was seven years ago. Um, yes. And uh, the only person who is still on that, who played in that game, would still be on the team. Is, is Ryan Zerman. What, oh. Actually, no. Kurt Suzuki. Oh, true. Kurt, Kurt, oh, no, Kurt Suzuki, Suzuki was play in that, that lineup. He wasn't in that lineup. No, Flores started that Flores, day. That's right. Yeah, but Zimmerman went. Flores threw out a base runner, so never mind. Disregard that. Zimmerman went 0 for 5 that game with four strikeouts. So, oh no. Well, then that's that's a harbinger of doom right there. Uh huh. Can't start him against Lyles. Um, nope. But neither of those guys, I mean, Woodruff is very good. Uh, he has a lot of swing and miss stuff. He pitched. He started against us this year. Uh, six innings of one run ball, four hits, nine Ks. Uh, so he's a guy, but he's again he's coming back from injury, and he'll probably only be good for two three innings, and then they'd have to turn to that bullpen. Right. Um, in their bullpen, they have guys as you said, Jay Jackson has been great for them. Uh, Junior Guerra has been good over the last two months, two six seven ERA. He's the one who got the win against us that game. Uh, one was Guerra versus Guerra. Uh, Hater is, I mean, Hater's they're going to give it probably two innings. Um, to to him, they have to. Um, Pomeranz has been great. They probably will turn it. I mean, they could go be good with going two innings from Woodruff and then throwing it over to the bullpen because you have guys like Pomeranz and Hader who can give you two innings. Um, well, and hell, I mean, if they need to, they can use Lyles for two or three. Exactly, he's pitching the both. Game. He's been a starter and a reliever. He knows how to do it both. Well, I mean, it's it's just a matter of innings. Exactly. At this point. I don't know so yeah, I think they'll go other than other than coming in with. Runners on base or in the middle of an inning. I don't think in a wild card game there's much of a difference between starting and relieving. Yeah. They're already so amped up. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's a difference in routine, but there's a difference in routine anyway because you're so amped up. Yep. Um, so 
you know, it's going to be interesting. They have a lot of options to as the, who they want to start a pitch. Um, I think it's going to be mostly just two innings from Woodruff and then play it from there, you know, with Lyles, Pomerantz, Hader, Guerra, uh, Suter, Jackson. And they have a they have enough guys that they can make a, a true bullpen game work. And that's kind of their, what, where they strive. So, right. and what the nice thing with the Nats is that they have on their bench, they have Suzuki, potentially Suzuki, Dozier, Zimmerman, all righties, and then Para Adams, lefties. So, right. you know, we're pretty balanced left-right on the bench, even, you know, if you want to get an at-bat from Andrew Stevenson, who has been very good as a pinch hitter this year. You could do that, but you probably won't. Um, no. But it's it's – the Nationals are lined up well to do a bullpen game because, as I said earlier, the lineup is pretty left-right, you know, stacked um, where it's unless you're facing the bottom of the order you're not going to have you know right 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 or left 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 so it's harder to play matchups in that way sense um, and their bench is pretty balanced as well so this is a team that I think would do well against a bullpen game um, I will say though the Nationals against starters who they've never seen before especially this year they ended up looking better second time through the order um, so that uh you know, something to think about, but I don't think it really matters because they've also hit bullpens pretty well. well. And they've seen all these guys. Exactly. And also, yeah, they've seen I mean, every pitch of the Brewers have. <laughs> they've even seen Jay Jackson for a third of an inning. Yeah. Uh, um, and also another interesting thing about this Nats team that I, I, I was meaning to mention uh, that I forgot to, but is how quickly they could just turn it on against any pitcher. Uh, they could look flat for five innings and then put up eight runs in one one inning. Um, I, w- I wish I had a way of looking this up. I mean, I probably do if I really want to do a lot of homework, but I didn't because I'm lazy. But it feels like the Nationals, you know, I don't know how to look this up, have the most crooked innings of any team uh, where they just pile on the runs really quickly. So this, I mean, unless unless you're going to go into this post this series like you did in 2014 where your offense comes out flat, you know, this team, especially the way they batted this last week, against you know not you know Phillies whatever, but the the Indians have some good pitching, and the way that they're able to score a lot of runs against the Indians, like in Clevenger today, who's a very good starter, you know is is encouraging. Uh, this is a good, yep. very good lineup. It's a very good offensive team. They scored six off Clevenger. They got, I think, five off of. Uh they face on Friday? Um, Friday they faced uh, Plesak. Yeah, it was Plesak. He's been pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he's been good. We didn't face their, they. We didn't face Bieber, but you know. No, uh, they did. They got uh, technically they got five off of Nola this week. Yeah. Uh, although three of those runners were inherited runners that were allowed to score. Yeah, but so we knocked him out on on a trade turner grand slam. Yes, that was uh, in a season that has had a lot of very exciting, uh, a lot of very exciting Grand Slams, uh-huh. uh, and a lot of very exciting moments. That was that was pretty exciting. Definitely, yeah, yeah. So I feel, I mean, this team matches up well with the Brewers. This team, you know, on paper, you know, has the ace. Who we could all be overthinking this playoff game, and Scherzer could just go out and shove it. Uh, that would be nice. That would be very nice. I would nice. love to see that happen. Yeah. 
So we could all just be playing 3D chess when we only need to put in, you know, our best starter forward. Uh, and Scherzer, you know, his last right. start against the Phillies outside of Brad Miller looked really good. Um, his stuff has looked all the way back. Yeah. His command, maybe not so yeah. much. So uh, you just hope that he I can... worry about a little bit, you know, with the emotions going in a playoff game. I don't know uh, if it's going to be the, the most conducive environment to sort of honing your stuff. But I see why they went to Scherzer. Yeah. If he gets in trouble, you, you, if he gets in trouble mid-inning, you have one of the two relievers you trust come in, uh, and then uh, just go for Strasburg as long as he can. Uh-huh. So, I mean, they've got two starters on four. And by the way, uh, there was some sort of consternation yesterday about allowing uh, Corbin to go 90 pitches. Uh and, and how that would impact his availability for Tuesday. Yeah. What he said was that if he's got to go out and start game one of the NLDS, he doesn't want to have not built up uh, in 10 days and have to go out and throw 100 pitches. So yeah. from that perspective, it makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Uh, um, I mean, you still, you still do have to play like there might be a tomorrow because there might be. Yeah, but even if you – I mean – it technically is a bullpen could be a bullpen game for a bullpen session for Corbin. He could be available game two. Um, against the Dodgers if we make it that far. Well, I mean, it depends on how long he pitches. If he pitches in inning, he could still pitch game one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and you uh, can even still go to Anibal Sanchez game one. I mean, it would well, be... it, de- it depends. I mean, if if Strasburg only has to pitch an in inning, yeah. Then Strasburg may be game one, yeah. or maybe he's available for game two. Yeah. I mean, ideally, you would like Strasburg to be available for one of those first two games, because if the series goes five, uh, I mean, you would like to be able to hand the ball to Strasburg. Yeah. Uh, because obviously Scherzer, if he's starting on Tuesday, he will be starting game three, which means he'll be available out of the bullpen in game five, which... It's never happened before, and you shouldn't look up to see how well it went. So I want to do, you know, a, one team that could be a surprise in the playoffs, and one team that you could easily see choke, um, and, sure. and just you know miss out. And besides the Nats, who even if they lose, you know, technically it won't really be a choke because they're, a f- you know, getting into the wild card game. But you know, well, I'm not counting them as a choke team because they could lose easily against a team they should win. I think you know my team to surprise people. I've, I've been really high on them for the last couple of weeks, um, is the Braves. Uh, just real quick, you know, they have a lineup that can wear out starting pitching. They have uh, a rotation that's headed by a Cy Young candidate and then a former Cy Young winner. Uh, you know, the question with Soroka and with Freed is they've never pitched as far into the season before. How are they going to fare in the postseason? And that's a legitimate concern with the team. But I think... And also another big question with them is Acuna, his health, because he was just sat out for the rest of the season, missing the last series against the Mets. So those are some legitimate questions against the Braves. But I think that they are a team that, again, can wear out starting pitching like nobody else. Um, They put up really good at-bats against good starting pitching, and they can get into bullpens, which if you've seen baseball in 2019, bullpens suck. Uh, So I think they're a dangerous team in the playoffs. 
I think they have enough veteran talent, and they didn't. They were in the postseason last year. I think that team has enough veteran talent, has enough rookie talent to kind of balance it out to where they can make a really deep postseason run. So that's my team to surprise people. Uh, All right, my I think my team to surprise people. I'm going to say the Oakland A's. That's what I was hoping you'd I know say. This is kind of out of left field, but uh, I was going. They were my backup choice. I, my what I like about the A's. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be an easy road because even if they win this wild card game, they have to play the Astros, who are probably the toughest team. Yeah. Uh, I would say that the A's in Chapman and Olsen. Uh, Don't forget Simeon. In Simeon, who has been a seven-win player, completely under the radar. No one has seen that coming. Yeah. And no one has really talked about it. Nope. Uh they have one of the best infields in baseball. Mm-hmm. They've got Mark Canna, who's been really excellent. Uh, Ramon Laureano, who's been hurt, but is still one of the, the premier defenders in baseball. Yep. They, I mean, they've got a very solid offensive core. Uh, they've got a pitching staff, which, you know, last year they were so non, not confident in their starting pitching that they went and you know, did a bullpen game for their wild card game, uh, but this year they've got. I mean, a lot of that was because rotation that's about four deep. Yeah, and a lot of that reason was because they lost their ace, and he's back now. Right, and Sean Manaya is back. He will start the wild card game. I think, you know, the way that he's been pitching is is four starts that he's gotten in have been incredible. Yeah, uh, Manaya is great, uh, and he's been back, and he's been great since he's been back. Uh, then they've got Roark and Fires and Anderson. You know, it's a four-deep starting rotation. Yep. It's decent. It's obviously not Verlander, Cole, Granky. No. But uh, it's enough. And they've played the Astros tough this year. Uh-huh. Uh, in their last series, they won three out of four. They're, they're a good team. They're under the radar. And they won 96 games this year. Yeah. Uh and you're Which, also forgetting about you know, one of their biggest pieces is Jesus Lazardo coming out of their bullpen for them, who's looked really good in, since coming up, and I think he'll be in that playoff bullpen. I mean, he could make a big difference for them. I mean, they lost Blake Trinan, who has, was very ineffective this year. Um, yeah, they lost Lou Trevino as well. But, I mean, but, they've gained they've gained Lazardo, and Liam Hendricks has turned into the, a real he's, shutdown close. He's arguably the best pitch, relief pitcher in baseball this year. Yeah, I mean, he's a candidate for Rolaids Relief Man of the Year. Uh, uh, yes. Um, is it still Rolaids Relief Man of the Year? I'm not no, even no, sure. No, no, it used to be DHL. Who knows anymore? Um, yeah. But yeah. Isn't it Jugs for a while? Who knows? <laughs> uh, the point being that they've got enough pieces that they can compete with the Astros in a five-game series. Yeah. And if they beat the Astros, I mean, anything's possible. Yeah. I'm not saying that they're going to win the World Series, uh, but I think... They're my team to overachieve. Yeah. Now, who's your team to underachieve? Well, you, I know... You could say the Nats. You're going to take... What? You could, I, I would say the Nats. Yeah. Uh, Just because we're fans. But that's not fair. Yeah. Because I don't think the teams have a lot of expectations for them. Uh-huh. They are a wild card team after all. Yeah. Uh, I think underachieving for them would be losing the wild card game. Uh, but... I am going to be a homer instead, and I'm going to say the Dodgers. Okay. Uh, and 
the reason I say that is because I just I, I look at their roster, it's extremely good. Mm-hmm. Uh but you know, gut feeling, I feel like it's beatable. Yeah. Uh I think and I think even if though you this... win hundred and six I think if you win hundred and six games and lose in the, the first round of the playoffs, then you're the the disappointment of the year. Oh definitely. I mean I wouldn't definitely. say I wouldn't even say if they lost in five games to the to the Nationals, I wouldn't say that you know like that's a reasonable outcome. Yeah. Because I would say that they would win a series like that maybe sixty percent of the time. Yeah. Because the Nats again are a pretty good team. Yes. Uh but yeah, I would say that, that you would have to call them a disappointment yeah. if they lose. And my prediction, my pick for disappointment team is the Yankees. Um, I think, you know, they're a team that was built up on depth this year. Uh, and they had a lot of players come from out of nowhere and perform, like Gio Urshela and Mike Ford and Mike Talkman. Talkman's not going to play in the postseason uh, due to injury. I mean, they've, they've really found, you know, gems in the woodworks and have been able to turn in to uh, the second best team in baseball or third best team in baseball. I do not love their strategy going in. It's the right strategy for their team. I don't like it, what they're doing with their pitching staff. And that's... You don't think it'll be successful? I don't think it'll be successful. I think that what their plan is is using two starting pitchers and then turning into bullpen games for the next two games. And their strength is their bullpen and they're using their strength and it's the right move for them. I don't think it's going to be successful. I think that you know it's going to turn. You're going to have to rely on the same on eight pitchers to go. Pretty much, I'd say fifteen of eighteen. You know, looking deep into the postseason, just using them so often in one month. I think they're not going to be effective. I think you're going to have guys who were effective in the regular season just turn into you know not be as effective as they were. And I think it's well, going to really... I, I mean, I don't know what your what your definition of underachieving is here. I, I would say that their most likely outcome is losing in the ALCS. Uh, yeah. Considering that they're the two seed and they'd be playing the Astros. That's not necessarily... Uh, but I could, I could see the Twins beating them. There's a path. I hope so. There's a path. It, it's been... The Twins... The, the Twins last six of their... Or, Six of their last eight playoff series, as a franchise, have been against the or, or against the Yankees, excuse me, uh, and they've lost all six. Yeah, and I would very much like to see them not have that happen. Yeah, again. I mean, there's definitely a path for the Twins to win, uh, just through their offense. Yes, alone. if they win three of the next five games. Yes, they could I know that. Do it. But I mean, in terms of their roster construction, I mean, they're getting Kepler back. They're getting Marwin Gonzalez back for the next round. Uh, I mean, they have an ace in Barrios. Odorizzi has been a... They won 102 games. They're a very good team. Anything can happen. Yeah. They're a good team. I mean, they're very good obviously team. 102 is inflated a lot. Yeah. Uh, because of but, games they know, play they, against the Indians. I'm not the Indians. I'm the, tw- the uh, Royals and the Tigers. But the... But the you know, Yankees the, have the O's and the Blue Jays, so... Right. And they won 104 games. Yeah. So it's not like... Yeah. I, I don't know. I Do you want to do... Do you want to do predictions? Yeah, just do round by round or World Series? Round by round. All right, we'll do this quick because I got dinner reservations. Oh, look at you. Mr. Rosh Hashanah. Uh-huh. 
approximate. Uh, all right. So I'm going to say Nationals over Brewers. Yeah. Uh, A's over Rays. I agree. I'm going to say Nationals over Dodgers. Ooh. Braves over Cardinals. Oh. Uh, and then I'm going to say in the AL, I'm going to say Astros over A's because – as much as I would like to see it the other way, I think the Astros are a really good team. Yeah. I'm going to say Yankees over Twins. I'm going to say Braves over Nats. I'm going to say Astros over Yankees. And I'm going to say Astros over Braves. Well, I'm similar, but I say Nats over Brewers. That's me knocking on wood. Uh, Dodgers over Nats. Braves over Cardinals. Braves over Dodgers. So we have the same World Series pick from the from the NL, and then I say A's over Rays, Astros over A's, Twins over Yankees, as I think the mm. yeah surprise, um, and then a Astros over Twins, and then Astros win the World Series. Okay, so we pretty much have the same thing. Pretty much, I mean, it's hard to you know disagree. It's, would you be would you be happy with an NLCS appearance for the Nats? Would I be happy? Yes, except we'd lose to the Braves in this scenario. Uh, yeah, would be the Braves or the Cardinals. Um, yeah, it's not going to be good either way. No, um, I'd be happy. I think I'd be happy. I I mean, like I said, I'm trying to enjoy the season for what it is, considering what I expected in May, but. It's hard to do that because you never know when this is going to happen again. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you I know, I, I'd have to. I'd have to see how I feel to know how I feel. Yep. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, the Nats Seems win like a good on. Spot to wrap up. Yeah, it's a good spot to wrap up. If the Nats win on Tuesday, we'll see you Wednesday. If the Nats lose on Tuesday, right. we'll see you Sunday. Right, and our uh, our Sunday show will just be an hour uh, on repeat of that sad baby shark song. Yep. Um, the emo version of Baby Shark. Yep. So, or I, I'm thinking that we'll have a commission. We'll have commissioned like a, uh, just like a, uh, what's it? Oh my God, uh, an organ version. Yeah. Of Baby Shark. Of Baby Shark. They would play at a funeral. Yes. All right. Uh, well. So yeah, uh, that will be the the song of the Nats, win or lose. Yep. So uh, we'll hopefully see you Wednesday. Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, See you soon.